Reg Clay. And Norman G. Where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. It is uh, June the 16th. How's it going, Norm? What, a couple of days before Happy Father's A couple of days before Father's Day, I got my first Father's I think Mara might have got me one last year, but um, mm-hmm. I got one from my mother-in-law, a Father's Day card. Oh, nice. And it's a, it says, who's a dad on the front? And inside it says, you. <laughs> you a dad. <laughs> right on. See, there you go. And I was like, wow. Um, I don't know that the boy would agree with that, but... That's okay. Yeah. Uh, I've known you for, I think, what has it been, 14 years? Yeah, easily, yeah. Well, what, let's see. Yeah, I think it'll be 14. And it's the first time that I can say Happy Father's Day to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not used to it. And like I said, I'm a stepfather. So it's um, it's a different animal. And it, you know, depending on when you start that and what the other parts of the equation are, the dynamics, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's different for everybody, but... It is exciting to me. Mara and I have been talking about parenting. Mm-hmm. Mostly me just trying to outline my territory in this equation. I'm I'm not a parent because his dad is very much in his life. So there's his dad, there's his mom, and mm-hmm. then there's me. Yeah. And I'm just the other adult in the equation. And that's what I grew up with. My stepfather, that was the sort of deal that was made when they got married. Was that my stepfather was the other adult in the house, so we had to give him the respect that you give any adult. Um, but as far as parenting, it was going to be mom like it had been mom, and that was not going to change. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's a good rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I think you have an uh, an in unenviable position because you can sort of step in and give a sort of. You don't have to be the disciplinarian. Uh, you know, the the actual biological mother and father, if they're around. Mm-hmm. They're more of the heavy, and let's say a child may need to speak to an adult who they can trust and who is not necessarily an authority figure. Right. And you fit in there. Yeah, it's it's not always a comfortable fit. I'm, I find myself often having to stop and think about what it means and what it doesn't mean mm-hmm. um, in the same way you're talking about. I mean, like, I grew up with a sense of, okay, discipline, this is what you do and what you don't do. Mm-hmm. And now I kind of have to put that on the shelf. I can talk to Mara about what she does and what she doesn't do. Mm, right. um, but, I mean, we talked about it a bunch. We also uh, saw Wonder Woman recently, so it was funny because oh. this conversation and Wonder Woman was happening yeah. at the same time. And it was weird because I said, please be clear, you're the parent. I am not. I am not trying to be a parent. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to do those things. And if I am, I apologize. That's not my role. Mm-hmm. I am trying to communicate with you as my life partner about parenting, your parenting, what choices you're making, how you feel about it, if you want to talk about it. And if you don't want to talk about it, then I have to play my other card, which is I live in this house. So the things that happen in this house affect me, mm-hmm. and therefore I – get to have some discussion of that. At the very least, I get to express my opinion. Yeah. And so this is new territory for all of us, and we're navigating it. But yeah. It's kind of exciting. So, yeah, for the first time for Father's Day, I'm not really focusing on anybody else. It's yeah. This one's going to be mine. Plus, I just saw my parents, um, yeah. you know, just a few weeks ago. So I'm like, I gave you your time. You had your time. Right, so. right. 
This year, it's Norman's. This is Norman's Father's Day. Yeah. My now because I, I my experience, you know, my my dad remarried, and uh, so I saw my second mom go through that. I never used the term stepmom, mm -hmm. where she, I guess, acquired. I guess mom and dad had had developed a deal, where mom would chip in when she needed to chip in. Now, of course, I was living with them, so. She was the disciplinarian. She was like, listen, you know, you clean this and do this and do that and do this mm -hmm. and do that. And I think it worked because my biological mom was not able to do that at all. I mean, she just right. had her own issues and all that stuff. So so I understand where you're coming how from. Old, well, how old were you? Uh, about the same age as, as your son. I think uh, 14, 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause it was early 80s, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm um, – when we first started dating, when we first started getting serious, mm -hmm. I, I did some reading. And trying to understand what role I could play in this child's life. Well, before like 11 or so, they're still a child. They're still very much, they're clingy, mm -hmm. they are open, there's an innocence, there's all that stuff. If they're a normal, healthy child. Mm -hmm. um, at about 10 or 11, they start thinking about their place in the world. And that dynamic sort of shifts and then by the time you get into the teenage years they are really asserting some independence mm. so somebody coming into their life at that time it's a, it's a different dynamic it's not a baby it's not a little yeah. kid it and it's not an adult so yeah. it's 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 this weird little mm -hmm. area so well, and once again i think you're fortunate because imagine if you had to come into a relationship when he was younger i, I would look forward to that actually i dated a number of women who had Young well, I shouldn't say a number. I, I, yeah, maybe three, maybe a few, four. Yeah. Um, uh, and I always got along. In fact, my last girlfriend mm -hmm. um, before Mara, um, lovely little boy, and mm -hmm. we bonded. We seriously bonded. Mm -hmm. um, and it got to the point where in many ways I was closer to him than I was to her. I've been there before, and that can be tough because I remember uh, just before I came to, as a matter of fact, I had gotten the job to come to San Francisco working for the DA's office, mm -hmm. and I had to tell the girlfriend at the time, oh, right, yeah. hey, I got to go. Uh, you know, I'm coming here, but we can work something out. You know, you can come here or whatever, um, but she didn't take it very well. The problem was, let's see, she was 21, I was 27. The boy was three years old, and he had gotten very, very clingy to me. Right. And, you know, that can be that can be a serious issue because all of a sudden, you know, this child is getting their heart broken. I had a cousin. He had his heart broken many times because uh, my aunt, mm -hmm. his mom, yep. would consistently date these other guys. Right. And he would consistently say, oh, you're my dad. You're my dad. You're my dad. And it was very sad. It was heartbreaking. It's – well, and this reminds me of where I'm working now. So we're just finishing up our Each One Reach One program. Mm -hmm. Tonight is the last night of – the writing tomorrow we bring in actors we will rehearse the plays i actually will go home after this and type up <laughs> a mm -hmm. play and then we'll bring them in tomorrow and we'll rehearse with the um, actors and the young writers will then play the role of director mm -hmm. and um and we'll do a performance tomorrow evening their families it, we always call it the uh, the best show that nobody gets to see oh <laughs> um, yeah because it's you have to be on the visitors list for one of these young men to mm -hmm. come in, 
Um, there's some staff people that come. We bring people connected to our organization. Is it filmed ever? Mm-mm, no, not allowed to because oh, they're shame. minors. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's all going to happen. Uh, not just the young man that I work with, but many of the young men have daddy issues. They do not want to create. When we teach them about creating a character, they do not want to give them a father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the young man I'm working with didn't want to give a father or a mother like number times he tried to flip back to that page and erase her off the page. Mm. So I'm like, let's just leave her there. You don't have to put her in the play. Yeah. But let's just leave her there. That's part of the character's background. That's where the character comes from. Mm-hmm. And so there are moments like that where I'm like, this is a huge thing in, and I, you know, this is definitely one of my soapboxes is I think the youth, teeni- uh, you know, the juvenile justice system um, could benefit so much by putting a huge focus on that. Where are these men in mm. these children, mostly <coughs> boys' lives? Um, where's that positive male role model? Right. Um, they lack them. Yeah. And if there is a male in their life, more often than not, it's a negative association, a negative relationship. And either they feel it is negative or it's like with gangs and stuff where they may not feel that that's a negative relationship. But the rest of the society looks at it and course, says, no, if you're going to bring your kid into gangs, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're not cool with that. And that's a wonderful thing about Acorn Reform because they have theater that can help them flush out these emotions in a very healthy and positive way. You know, we had uh, the shooting, the uh, congressional uh, shooting that oh, happened right. over in D.C., and also the UPS shooting that happened, I think that was Mondays, right? Yeah. And Same you know, day, wasn't it? Huh? Yeah, I, th- I think it so. Or one there were four shootings that day, apparently. They said there were also shooting in, I think, L.A. or some places. Oh, I Four shootings. Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard all these. And I was like, I heard that this evening while yeah. driving, and I was like, I need to look that up. Yeah. And, you know, I think when I hear about the kids at each one reach one and I, he- I think about the things here, what we're really talking about are people who can't control their emotions. Right. Now, the kids are in a good environment and the each one reach one is helping them focus on these emotions and whatever is upsetting them. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, they're put in a situation that they have no control in. Like they right. didn't ask for this. Right. Um, but what happens when you don't deal with those emotions? Men are horrible. We, we right. are horrible in talking about what uh, our pain. We've been taught, yeah. yeah, to not to not talk about these things. Yeah, and as a result, you know, when things hit, you know, the the crucible or whatever it is, um, you know, you hear you hear about it on the evening news. Right. Right, and the reactions to it are often well, the shock and horror, which is is valid. But beyond that, it really should be a chance for us to kind of reflect on who we are. Mm-hmm. This is our community. The thing I, the number one thing I hate when these stories happen is when they interview somebody who says, I can't believe it happened. Nothing like that ever happens here. And it's like, well, that last statement is not true because it just happened. So you need to adjust mm-hmm. your perspective on this. Mm-hmm. And that you will not move towards a positive you know, solution to mm-hmm. this yeah. if you can't even see where you are. Right. And that's that's what, when this stuff, you know, this happened, and I was like, oh, I don't want to see what the political reaction. I had a horrible reaction, I have to admit. Um, I heard about it. I knew where the politicians would go and where the media would go. Yeah. 
and I wasn't happy about it at all. So the first time I heard somebody said that their prayers were with these people, the survivors or whatever, mm-hmm. I just got frustrated. And I posted on Facebook, F your prayers. Do something about this. Yeah, I, I hear you. And, of course, people may have a negative reaction. I mean, when I see Paul Ryan giving a speech, when you shoot one of us, you shoot all of us, and everyone applauds, every, right. you know, bipartisan applause. Right. You know, that's going to last as long as, you know, uh, an ice in, in, in your drink. I mean, right. You know, it's, and it's, it's, uh, it, it's nice. Of course, it's politically correct, but it doesn't do anything to solve right. the issue. They, they aren't moving in, in, a dir- in that direction at all. And for the politicians, the current politicians, the current, current elected officials, mm-hmm. to not look at the reality of the situation, which is we hate them. Right now, their approval ratings are lower than they've been. Yep. You know, in generations, yeah. they are so bad. They, by us, are considered to be so bad. I don't care if they think they're good people or not. Mm-hmm. They need to recognize the fact that America does not like them. America doesn't trust them. America doesn't believe in them. And whether or not you want to try and find some justification for the shooting, mm-hmm. at the very least, they should take that message away. I'm not supportive of them. I'm not sorry they didn't get shot. I don't want them to get shot. I do want them out of office. I do want them – I want somebody there doing the job, and they're not there doing the job. Yeah. So I'm really annoyed and frustrated by this. Did you hear Ivanka Trump basically say on Fox – of course, Fox News. She's not going to appear anywhere else. They right. never appear anywhere else. Oh, it's just absolutely horrible. We're being victimized, and how horrible <laughs> is for us? You right. know, uh, I think it was Kellyanne Conway was saying – you know, if they had shot me, people would applaud and, and all of that stuff, as if they're the victim, as if right. they never said anything derogatory right. about gays or about blacks or about Latinos or women. Or what did they say about all these shootings that have been happening recently? Since he's been president, what have they said about all of these horrible shootings? Mm-hmm. They just shrugged. Oh, it's a, you know, it's a crazy loner right. nut. Yeah. And by the way, the congressman, I think, I don't have the guy's name, of course, and we're horrible at notes. <laughs> but Republican congressman who has a history, I was reading on Slate earlier today, he has a history of being anti-gay, lesbian, right. LGBT. Yes. He was saved. Saved by a lesbian. Exactly. By a lesbian cop. Exactly. I, and I would hope that he is man enough, that he is a good enough person, that he is going to go and thank that woman for her service and i hope to her credit that she shows up for that with her partner yep yep and says if you thank me then you've got to acknowledge who i am Mm -hmm. this is who saved you exactly exactly i'm you know i i would like to be optimistic and hope that this is going to affect him and make him Mm -hmm. see the light but like you said um the politician responses have been basically more guns more guns yeah yeah okay because uh, not enough crazy people have guns, apparently. We need to get more guns into more crazy people's hands. I've, I've always said, <clears throat> and it's funny because I'm, I'm a bachelor, so I go on these dating sites. There are some women on these dating sites that have guns in their hands. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. As if this will attract my man. And, of course, you know, they're looking for a particular type of guy. Right. The macho, macho man. Well, they're also letting you know that they can protect themselves. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just, just in case your date goes south. Right, exactly. <laughs> they are ready. I do like my Uzi, you know, or <laughs> my Tech 9 and all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, so sad. Um, Cosby, what do you think? The, the jury's in their fifth day of deliberation. Do you have any thoughts about this? I feel sorry for that poor jury. 
Um, what I again, I hate the media spin on it, and mm. I hate that they let his press secretary or publicity person, whatever oh, yeah. they call that person, yeah. that they actually bother to play clips of that person speaking. That person is not a legal scholar. That person's opinion about what is going on, if you're going to do that, mm -hmm. then why don't you give us the opinion of somebody on her side too? Yeah. Because you can argue either way. Mm -hmm. This is a sign that there's a problem and that something might have happened. And that's as easy to argue as the, this proves that he's innocent. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I've had a lot of thoughts about this, and I talk about this on uh, the other uh, podcast, Dude. It is so hard. I mean, when you think about the, the legacy that Bill Cosby has had and the influence that he's had on American life for the past half century, I mean, we're talking about an individual that has, especially for the African-American community, I mean, I think about the, the records that he sold, my brother right. Russell. Right. Whom I've slept with. I think about the television shows, Mod Squad, oh. Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Well, not Mod Squad. He was on Mod Squad. No, he didn't I create spy. it. Uh, I spy. I'm sorry. You're absolutely I spy. right. I spy. I spy. Yeah, exactly. Right. I spy. And I mean, he's been on television. He's been on the radio. He's been on the comedy circuits. Right. He's been in our lives, in, in American intellectual lives, mm -hmm. for the past half century. Now, how in the world are you going to find 12 members of a jury? who didn't have him right. in your hearts or whatever. Right. It's like prosecuting your dad or it's like right. it, it reminds me of a cult where you've been taught for 20 years mm -hmm. or, you know, the first 20 years of your life. Right. That, I don't know, two plus two equals five or something like that. Right. Or that your father's wonderful, he's wonderful, he's wonderful. And then all of a sudden, oh, guess what? He likes to rape women. Right. Of course you're going to say, no, 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 no. Right. Right. Not my dad. <laughs> right. Because it's, it's, it's almost as if they're being asked to prosecute Heathcliff Huxtable right. instead of Cosby. Right. But Huxtable is not – he doesn't exist. That's not right. a real person. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, it's um, – I do not envy that – I do not – because apparently what they've been doing is asking for transcripts. Exactly. And trying to get clear on the law. Right. And that tells you that they are considering – Yeah. Well, they're asking all the right questions, mm -hmm. but – I remember several attorneys will tell me this. It's like if in a criminal trial, a jury takes more than 48 hours to figure it out, you're basically toast as a prosecutor mm -hmm. because the whole idea of a prosecution usually – it's funny because when you see law and order, of course you're getting a more dramatized version of it. Usually right. prosecutors will present a jury, especially in closing argument, as if it were a grocery list. Sure. And they're basically saying, listen – this is what the law is. This is what we're prosecuting in. This is what right. the penal code says. Right. And these are the requirements of the penal code. Right. And you just check it and off. Here's and here's the evidence. Right. Yeah. Here's the evidence. And if you agree with the evidence, then check it off. Boom, right. boom, boom. And if you, if you have all these check marks, then you know the person's guilty. Right. And there you go. They really want you to be intellectual about it and not inject a lot of emotion mm -hmm. on it. And, of course, the defense attorney, that's when you get the the – Grandstanding, yeah, grandstanding and, and all yeah. that stuff because they wanted to focus on the emotion. If the glove I mean, doesn't fit, you must acquit. Yeah, O.J. Simpson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, a lot of times it works. It, I shouldn't say that our opening and closing argument is like theater, but there is something similar. Because of course it is. It's yeah. very much theater. Yeah. I mean, it's – I. Um, the other thing that happened this week is I went to do my – uh, visit site mm -hmm. visit for the Eugene O'Neill House oh, project okay. that I'll be doing in July, mm -hmm. and 
getting to look at the space and thinking about what was possible in the space, logistics. Mm -hmm. It's logistics. But that's what theater is on a certain level, is just knowing we're going to put this up this way. This mm -hmm. is how we want to start the show. Mm -hmm. We're going to set this mood in this way. We're going to create this image in that way. Mm -hmm. um, there's no way that any competent lawyer isn't walking in with a real clear idea of what show what they are presenting and mm -hmm. that is show mm -hmm. show presenting is show mm -hmm. they know that they are presenting mm -hmm. a case you know what's interesting there are some attorneys who do think that way but there are a lot of attorneys who are so book smart mm -hmm. they really don't think about presentation mm -hmm. which is unfortunate i mean I've, I've seen some very good attorneys who are excellent they know how to write briefs mm -hmm. They know how to argue in front of a judge. Mm -hmm. They know how to give a good intellectual argument. But when it comes to either voir dire, selecting a jury, mm -hmm. and also opening and closing arguments, presenting themselves, mm -hmm. and a lot of it is, is, just, is just presentation. I mean, I can be the smartest individual in the world, but if I don't know how to connect to you, to look in your eyes, right. and tell you and formulate a story mm -hmm. on what this case is about, it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. Mm -hmm. If I can't sell it, it's not, you know, it, you're not going to get a conviction. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, you have to. So it is. It is a form of theater. And I enjoy, I enjoy bringing the sort of visceral human, mm -hmm. human psychological experience to the stage. As a director, I depend on that mm -hmm. because that stuff isn't, artificial it isn't fake mm -hmm. these are things that people are going to respond to um i remember seeing i only saw the little bit of this uh, tarantino film where towards the end of the film they're sitting in somebody's house and there's a like a, a like a bar okay and a person has their hand on the counter and somebody comes over and just slams down and cuts their finger off is this the hateful eight i think it's before that i think it's one of her his earlier ones okay I don't actually remember it. I just remember that was that moment, and it came out of nowhere, and mm -hmm. we as an audience have a, everybody kind of gasps yeah. and pulls back. Yeah. We have these things. So knowing that this is the way the human mm -hmm. nervous system works as a theater artist, you want to play with that, but you also want to be careful. The difference between a stage punch mm -hmm. and really clocking somebody mm -hmm. When you think somebody just got hit for real, you drop out of the story. Mm -hmm. So your job as a theater artist is to make sure that it looks real, yeah. but not so real that people stop watching your story or caring. They start caring about the actor and they forget about the character. Right. No, that's a very, very good point. And it sort of ties into, you know, the whole, the violence and, and uh, you know, I think about the shootings and all of that stuff. We're really talking about an individual, individuals that cannot control themselves. I always say that, and this is, this is true in law as well, you know, if you can't argue the facts, then you just argue, you know, you just emote. And uh, it's it's almost a dehumanization. It's like, uh, you know, what makes humans better than the animal kingdom mm -hmm. is our ability to, to communicate, to rationalize, and also to have a conscience. But we can form a logical argument. Right. Um, plenty of domestic violence incidences are, are individuals or husband or a father who cannot have a uh, who cannot formulate uh, an, an argument, right? And therefore, boom, right? You just pop them and all that stuff. I, I remember being that kid um, that I had a mouth 
And I don't mean like I was mouthing off. I mean I was quick to reason. Yeah. And thankfully I was in a you know situation where most of the time that was okay. But occasionally you got with somebody who was really frustrated, and yeah, their response was to hit you. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well then maybe I need to shut up. But yeah. you but know, but so many times, I mean, as a, as a young child, mm-hmm. family would say, oh, you're going to be a lawyer someday. And I was like, no, I'm just <laughs> quick to make sure that you have information so that I don't get hit. Right, right, exactly. But And taking it back to the theater, I'm sure as a director, you've had actors, you just talked about having a reaction that it may be strong to the audience, but it has nothing to do with the plot or w- what your direction is as, as a director. I mean, the overall where someone is just over-emoting or some oh. the emotion just takes over the actor. Were you saying before about somebody um, crying? Yeah, I think before we yeah, got on mic. So, yeah, so I um, so when I went to NYU, um, we had a, a we had a uh, I guess a project where we had to do monologues, mm-hmm. and it's standard operating. I mean, uh, there's pl- plenty of uh, actors who've had to do monologue classes and stuff, and there was one uh, actress um, student who was doing the monologue, and she was just crying and crying. She was all into it, and all of a sudden, the monologue just became about her crying. Right. And, you know, she couldn't even get her words out. And uh, the professor was like, well, listen, you know, um, you are way too much into this emotion. Mm -hmm. This is just too much. Right. You need to get back into the text and what what your objectives are. Well, and what the structure is. Right. Um, I just auditioned for Hamlet, so fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. All right. Um, Just got called back, so that was wonderful. Right on. Um, So I'm studying the character of Polonius. Oh, that's an awesome. He's an interesting character in Hamlet because so there's Hamlet, his uncle, who Mm -hmm. apparently has killed his father and become king, Mm -hmm. married his mother, who is the queen. so that's a messed up situation that Hamlet comes back home to. Mm-hmm. Um, Hamlet's girlfriend is Ophelia. Right. Her brother is Laertes. Mm-hmm. Their father is Polonius, who is sort of identified in the script as a counsel to the mm-hmm. king, but yeah. it's never explicitly said or said in a formal way that that's yeah. what it is. He's, he's a wise man, but he's very low-key. One of one of his famous uh, quotes: "To thine own self be true." Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, there are a number of them. Yeah. And uh, oh, one of them was for the uh, callback. It was a uh, brevity is the soul. Uh, since brevity is the soul of wit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since brevity is the soul of wit and tediousness the limbs and outward flourishes. And awesome. it's yeah. To me, that line really kind of encapsulated what I thought is an. It's definitely an aspect of the character mm-hmm. to say. Because the quote is often quoted as, since brevity is the soul of wit, um, I will be brief. Because that's what he gets to. He says, since mm-hmm. brevity is the soul of wit and tediousness, the limbs and outward flourishes, I will be brief. Your noble son is mad. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and so it's easy to cut that middle line out, but I think that middle line tells you some important stuff about the character. Mm-hmm. He is smart. Mm-hmm. He, is, um, he loves language. He loves playing with language. He can't help himself. He does it so much. And so sometimes he's played as a clown and a fop. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you want to go all the way there with the character or not, why that's important in the structure of the play is, spoiler alert, at a certain point he gets killed. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And it's an accident. Um, Hamlet thinks his uncle is hiding, is spying on him, and right, it turns exactly. out it's the old man, Polonius, spying yeah. on him. Yeah. And he kills him. 
Now, Hamlet is our hero, and we're supposed to care about Hamlet. But if he has killed an upright, righteous person, well, that's just straight-up murder, and we got to feel bad about that. But if, if he's killed a nosy, foppish old man, you know, who loves to hear himself talk, <laughs> we feel bad about that. That's a shame that happened, but it doesn't mm-hmm. take the hero aspect yeah. away from Hamlet. So it was fun playing with it, and then the director gave me some adjustments. And I was like, okay, it's an audition. You have to make adjustments. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and he prefaced it with the, you know, I'm not saying anything about your performance. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of an unnecessary thing to say. People say it out of politeness. I'm sure I've said it. But um, the point really is more, let's say that you nailed your monologue. Mm-hmm. You totally got it right. I might be considering you for another role, and I want to see if you can bring that color to a character. Right. That attitude, that right. difference. Right. So I'm going to ask you with the monologue you know, mm-hmm. can you go there for me? Now, I'm not going to explain why I'm doing it because in rehearsal, I don't yeah. want to have to explain everything I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I want to see if I can give you a direction and if you can go there, and this is a particular there that I might need you to go. Right. If you do it or even look like you're capable of doing it with some time and work, then I'm going to be considering you. You're going to go on my list of actors I need to consider for this role. Mm-hmm. Um, that part of the process is a necessary part of the process. If my ego gets in the way because I worked so hard to understand this character and right. this is what I believe it is, right. and I'm going to right. argue with you, director, and tell you that you have it wrong. Right. No, who would hire that person? Right, exactly. And also, especially if you have, let's say, uh, a monologue or a dialogue or you know, the role, if you're too much in your head, like there have been plenty of times where I've, I've said to myself, hey, I know what these beats are, and I know how I'm going to work it out on stage. I've got it all in my mind. Right. Forgetting about what the director has to bring on to the table and bring, forgetting about what <laughs> the actress or the actor or whoever I'm working the with. The scene partner, yeah. The scene partner. I have it all in my head, and I think that's where the girl, the, the student at NYU, mm-hmm. you know, she was – she it clearly had – all of this emotions, and of course, she was tapping into other things going on, either in her life or in her childhood or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and bringing it to this character. And I guess a little bit of method acting deals with that. But of course, if you go too far, right, then you're so much in your head, it's almost impossible to get a new direction from right the director. Right, you can't hear anything else. You you're sure that you have the truth, and you don't hear anything right. else. Um, I got to sub for Elizabeth Carter two times at, at School of the Arts mm-hmm. this year, this last school year. And that was one of the lessons that I brought in. Um, there were a day where the majority of the class was in a show that rehearsed the last period of the day. So that class ended up one day we had five students, it was mm-hmm. me and five students. Mm-hmm. So I had planned a lesson. It seemed a little hard to do with five students. Mm-hmm. So I talked to them about um, – I asked them what they were working on and what they were – and one woman, one young woman was working on mm-hmm. a monologue that had crying in it. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what's mer- more interesting to me is – I said, and I want everybody to do this as an acting exercise right now as I'm talking to you about it. Um, try not to cry. Like really try not – right now tell yourself I'm not going to cry. Mm-hmm. Really try to own that feeling because mm-hmm. it's like saying don't think about purple elephants right you know as soon as you give that negative in your head you've also given the other thing and the more you fight against it 
the stronger and bigger it gets. Yeah. So the more if you just kept saying over and over to yourself, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to mm-hmm. cry, I'm not going to cry, and gave it any commitment of feeling, the tears start to come. Yeah. And the feeling of tears starts to come. Mm-hmm. And it's way more interesting for an audience to see you almost cry right. than to watch you spend a whole scene working up to tears. You're absolutely right. And so I told, you know, I told them and I made them go through an exercise with it. And it was so good that I then went to the next class. I was there for a few days doing uh, three classes for her. So the next day I brought that into the other classes where mm-hmm. I actually had a significant body of people. Mm-hmm. And it's an easy lesson to play with. Mm-hmm. You know, like anything else, it still takes focus in order for you to really get it where mm-hmm. you want it. Mm-hmm. But it's a neat tool to put in that little toolkit. Yep. And this actress you're talking about. Yeah, she was so busy going, oh, this character has to cry Uh that she forgot her given circumstances. Mm -hmm. She forgot to relate in the scene. Yeah. If I give you the power over me that makes me feel helpless as my scene partner, if Mm -hmm. I give you that power and then I respond to the feeling of the power that I've now given you, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have feelings. I don't have to make them happen. I don't have to force them. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I got the sense – when she did that, that she felt, oh, this is fantastic, I'm crying. Right. Well, that's in, uh, <laughs> in uh, Stanislavski. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the story of the young actress who he's going to uh, – there's a brooch. It's been in your family for years. It's mm-hmm. the only way you can pay to be here. Yeah. And you've lost it. Go search for it. And she ran around the stage and did all the sort of acting of manners that you know was oh. popular at the time. Yeah. And she ran and ran and ran and ran and ran, and she came down to the bottom of the stage finally just – you know, in a frenzy, but happy, cheeks yeah. flush. Yeah. And he says, oh, so how do you feel? And she says, I feel good. And he said, um, that's nice. Where's the brooch? And she said, what? And he said, I actually did hide a brooch up here. And if you don't find it, you will not be allowed to stay here. And she ran back up on stage. <laughs> and she did what we all do. Yeah. Can't find my keys? Where was the last place I saw them? I went there. They're yeah. not there. I'm going to yeah. go look someplace else. I still can't find them. I'm going to go back to the first place yeah. I was. <laughs> and after a few minutes of that, she came back just in hell. <laughs> you know, not flush. You mm-hmm. know, the blood drained from her face right. in tears, right. in, in near hysteria. Mm-hmm. And he asked how she felt, and she said she felt horrible. And then he turned to the rest of the people and said, how did that look? And they were like, wow, that, you know, that was incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's where the school of manners comes from, that, that you know, mm-hmm. that belief yeah. um, comes from that playing that intention with that much commitment. Exactly. That's exactly right. And that's a fantastic point. It's doing, you know, what are yeah. you doing? What are your objectives? You know, I, our teachers would always say, listen, you need to do something. You know, you need to be involved in. Now, whether you finished your task or not. Mm-hmm is irrelevant or you know if if your if your objective is to finish this task and something is preventing you from from finishing the task something's going to come up there's going to be an emotion um but it has to be authentic right. as authentic as possible yeah it's yeah. um and the weirdest thing in acting is that we know that everything that we're doing on the stage is artifice mm-hmm. but the fact is it's, it's uh, maybe I got it from improv. Uh, I know I got this from improv. Mm-hmm. Um, people who say, oh, I don't know what to do. 
You know, I don't know how to do that. Just make stuff up. Mm. We're like, well, do you wake up every morning with a script? You don't, except in your head you actually do. Yeah. I know I'm going to go. Th- we all have patterns. We have routines. Yeah. When you walk out the door and you see that little lady from around the corner, you yeah. say hi. When you see that little dog that I was always being walked, you do that. Yeah. You cross the street because it's shadier on the other side of the street <laughs> and it's a hot day. Mm-hmm. You go through your whole day with a whole script. And right. we all do that. Right. When you give yourself permission to free yourself from the script in a play, mm-hmm. um, it's funny because as working on this Polonius thing, Mario kept asking. My wife wanted to help. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's great. I'm trying to understand the script. So I actually had two books. Mm-hmm. And I kept going back through. And the last thing I did mm-hmm. with the text was to go through and mark all the lines where this particular, the edition they'd given for callbacks, mm-hmm. had their punctuation. Mm-hmm. I went back to see what the punctuation was in the earlier editions. Hmm. And I checked that because they're run on lines there. It's verse, but there are lines where you need to just run that sentence into the next line. You yeah. can't you can't stop and do the sing-songy verse thing. You have to make the thought work. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I want to know where and I think Shakespeare is actually brilliant with that mm-hmm. and you can see it in the text. If there's no punctuation at the end of the line, yeah. then your breath does not come there. Mm-hmm. Or you give a simple lift and you keep going into the next line. If there's punctuation at the end of the line, then there's a breath or there's mm-hmm. a movement. Right. Um, I've heard it called uh, Shakespeare directing from the grave. Yeah. Um, Shakespeare is telling you. And when punctuation is in, in the middle of a line, right. if it's a comma, it's a breath. More than likely, it's a breath. I've, I've heard that, too, because he has the iambic – I think it's called yeah, the iambic, iambic pentameter, pentameter yeah. where your standard characters or, let's say, a character that, that – I guess his most expressive characters are the ones who break the iambic pentameter, where there are the punctuations, mm-hmm. where you don't have the sing-songy. Or the, or the uneven um, lines. Right, exactly, because it forces the audience to hear <coughs> what's going on. It Well, yeah, getting that, it's like listening to music and syncopation. Right. Once you've set a pattern, when you start syncopating it, then mm-hmm. we feel it. Right. We feel it, and that's the fascinating thing about work. this work, mm-hmm. is you feel it. Mm-hmm. So... I was worried about making sure I understood, literally understood what the text was, mm-hmm. understood what he was trying to get at, and looking at the fact, because, you know, there's simple things that we miss mm-hmm. as actors. We know by the end of the speech, he's going to be basically kind of chewing her out and telling her, don't see that Hamlet boy no more. Right. Come on, let's go. Mm-hmm. Last thing he says to us, um, he says, um, look to it, I charge you. Come your ways. And it's not, look to it, I charge you, come your ways. Right. It's look to it, I charge you, come your ways. There's a right. beat. Yeah. And, and when you count the line, mm-hmm. you count the feet of the line, you're like, there's something missing. So that period ends up taking a full beat right? in order for you to use the rhythm that he's given you. Mm-hmm. So I had fun doing that, and that was wonderful. I also just started to try and do a little bit of paraphrasing. What is he trying to get at? Mm-hmm. Because if he gets to the place of don't see Hamlet anymore, right. then the two times earlier when he's asked her what Hamlet said and he's not happy with her response, right. he still hadn't gotten to the point of don't do it. And so as I'm going through trying to figure out the logic, mm-hmm. I back up to just like half a dozen lines before that where he says to her um, – do not believe his vows. They are brokers. Do not believe his vows. They are but brokers. Mm-hmm. Mere, um, they are but brokers, not of that die which their investments show. Mm-hmm. 
but mere impo- mere in and it's funny they said don't memorize it because we wanted to be able to work yeah. it mere in I can't remember the word it's a weird Shakespeare made up word yeah yeah um, but I'm like okay so at that point all you're saying is don't believe what he's saying right by the end of the speech I'm saying don't spend any more time with him don't talk to him sure. don't look at him don't be alone with mm-hmm. him. So that means that before I got to that place, all I'm saying is, wow, I understand you seem to be hooked on him, mm-hmm. and you think he's hooked on you. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you don't believe him. Yeah. Actually, erase that. Yeah. I'm telling you don't see him. It's as if his thoughts are, are growing. Or, They're evolving, or evolving through the exactly. piece. Yeah. And, and so it was great to mm-hmm. do all that work and understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all text work. That's textual. Now I need to put it in my body. Right. And at that point, it became fun. And at that point, Mari actually had a gig. So right. I was by myself. But mm-hmm. I was like, okay, now I'm actually ready to get this on its feet mm-hmm. and start exploring how yeah. I can use all that stuff that I've learned about the text. Yeah, no, th- that's, those are the wonderful moments where, you know, you actually have it, you absorb it, you look inside of it, and you find actually a couple of beats. Like beat one may be, listen – you have to be mindful his words are just this or that or whatever. Right. He may not be even well, a mean thing. It, he, there are very few questions in the speech, mm-hmm. but that first little bit is, what does he say? Um, I've tis told me he hath very oft of late given private time to you, and you yourself have of your audience been most free and bounteous. Mm-hmm. And I'm going through that and going, okay, wait a minute. If I hit that like accusations, mm-hmm. I hear you've been doing this. Yeah. Well, then where do I have to go? But if I hit exactly. it as a question, exactly. you know, I'm not saying it's true, right. but somebody says that this has been going on. Right. And if it's true, I'm asking you to be a little bit careful. And sure. that's where it starts. Yeah. I ask you to be a little bit careful. Mm-hmm. Then I ask you, yeah. don't listen to yeah. him. And then I finally say, just just don't even. Right. You have, you, have, you have options. You can either be counseling her as as a kind father you know sort mm-hmm. of like well you know you got to be careful sweetheart you know uh, mm-hmm. it could work but you know don't rush into it you could be like a political thing listen this is a political family you don't know now you sound like the director he <laughs> actually asked for those adjustments and right. i was like and it was so cool because where when i first read it tomorrow mm-hmm. i was working on just getting the rhythm of the text and the meaning and finding my operative words yeah and so i really was just I wasn't sing-songy, but I almost was because mm-hmm. that's a wonderful way to start figuring out what's the important beat. Yeah. Not every other beat. Iambic pentameter is da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But not every beat is important in every line. There's one beat. Mm-hmm. Each line has one beat. Occasionally more, but yeah. as a general rule, there's one most important beat. That's your operative word. Right. So you want to make sure that you hit that one beat. Mm-hmm. Well, now look at where it's put in the music of the line mm-hmm. and start playing with it. Right. And it's uh, and simple things like I might want to say my daughter, mm-hmm. but the text tells me to say my daughter. daughter right. Yeah. Because it's part of the because the rhythm. Part of the rhythm. Yeah. And so it was just it was so fun. By the time I went to the audition, mm-hmm. I had had so much fun with the piece. Mm-hmm. I mean the callback. I had so much fun with the piece, and when I went in and got to work with the director, I was mm-hmm. like. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for having me. Out I think I think you've nailed it. I, I just feel it in my bones. I think I think you've got it. Well, we'll see. And you said you had a callback. I had a callback for um, Civil War Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I'll find out. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll find out very very soon. 
uh, if I get that, I feel very, very confident. But thinking about Shakespeare, you know, mm-hmm. every single time, and Craig Dick, Craig Souza talked about this last week when he was mm-hmm. with us, how you have some actors who they get into the sing-songy or this very faceplate way of going attacking Shakespeare, right? Like you know, it and it just it's very dry or whatever. But I'm also thinking this is just how my mind works about mm-hmm. the shootings that yes. happened this past week. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you ask someone like a bystander or let's say a relative, oh, I never thought that Billy would do something like this. He's such a wonderful guy right. or, and all this sort of stuff. There's a, psych- there's, a psych- there's a psychology term called mask of sanity. Have you ever heard of that before? No. So the mask of sanity is basically where an individual, a lot, a lot of narcissists do it or whatever, but they know how to present themselves mm-hmm. as – uh, an upstanding citizen, or whatever. Right. But there are all sorts of crazy things going on mm-hmm. uh, in you know in the back of their minds, right? Uh, where they can be very presentable. Hi, how are you? And, mm-hmm. and, and whatever. But the the you know obviously they're covering up. It's it's a mask. Right. Yeah. It's it's covering up their true selves. And I think about when when people approach Shakespeare, let's say a period piece or really any piece, instead of being true to, like you were talking about how you analyze the words and what do they right. mean, and breaking away from the I'm in pentameter mm. and finding really what's going on and what your options are, that's the true work. Right. You could have done the other thing and just put on what I'll call the, you know, the mask and just mm. you know, be presentable. I'm just gonna, right. I'm just going to emote. and right. I'm, One of the words, as I did my studying, is um, on the page it looks like springs – with an E, mm-hmm. you know, before the S. Um, I looked it up because it was part of a phrase. He's mm-hmm. quoting a phrase, a mm. popular phrase at the time, mm-hmm. you know, a, um, a truism. Okay. And um, I look it up, and it springes, and it actually says in the notes, springes, rhymes with hinges. Interesting. And I went, wow, okay. So what is springes? That's a trap. Ah, so it does relate to spring, yeah. But it also relates to, and when they say springes rhymes with hinges, mm-hmm. know that there's been a shift in our vowels um, in the hundreds of years since mm-hmm. Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So there are pronunciations of things that might be the word spring, mm-hmm. but maybe it was at that time yeah. intended to rhyme with hinges. Yeah, and there's a double meaning. I guess spring, yeah. like the you know spring, summer, winter, and fall, and right. also spring a trap. Right. Yeah. So, and that was, but it helped me so much to know not just the definition, which mm-hmm. was trap, mm-hmm. but the pronunciation of an archaic word. Yeah. So that I can give it its full meaning and value and emotional weight mm-hmm. to say that somebody, because it's, um, I, she says, um, he's, um, he's expressed his, uh, his love for me, his affection. Mm-hmm. And I say, I springes. Oh he, no, that's when she says he's vowed mm-hmm. that he has vowed his love to her. Mm-hmm. And I say I springes to catch a springes to catch woodcocks. Mm. I do know when the blood burns, you know. And it's it's just it, it's mm. just because that is it's the structure of that yeah. on the page. Yeah, it's easy to mess it up and just go I springes. I springes to catch woodcocks. I do know, mm-hmm. but they're two separate thoughts. 
but they connect to each other because of the way they're laid out on the page. Mm -hmm. So, no, it was fun. And then, like I said, to get it on its feet and actually start thinking, well, how do I act this? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It'll awesome. Be, it'll be exciting. You were talking um, about this. We go to these auditions, and I find myself frustrated as I'm going to auditions mm -hmm. now because I feel like, and to a certain extent, like even for Hamlet, <coughs> I auditioned for the executive director. Mm-hmm. And then was invited to come back for callbacks, and there's the director. Mm -hmm. And I always find myself in that position thinking, I wish the director had been there in the first place because I did South African dialect mm -hmm. for the first audition. Mm -hmm. They didn't ask me to do it for this one, so he probably doesn't know I can do that. This is the same thing for Hamlet? For Hamlet. Okay. So if I'm – well, because the executive director did the first round of auditions, mm -hmm. and the director for Hamlet only mm -hmm. did the callbacks. Mm -hmm. So he didn't see what I did before. Mm. And unless the director gave him really good notes on it, yeah, it's not even an option. He said I had to go that. through the same thing with uh, Civil War Christmas where um, the director is actually off uh, doing a show in Ashland, mm. Oregon. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my audition or callback was filmed. Well, uh, not filmed, but, you know, uh, they, they yeah. recorded it with an uh, iPhone. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, that's when I uh, got – and it's it's a bit tough. I, I assume it works because, um, but you always want, you always it's always good to actually do it directly in front of the director. I, I prefer, yeah, 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 exactly. And I had to sing uh, at that. We were talking about uh, auditioning because sometimes you audition for musicals. Musicals, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, I haven't signed up yet, but I'm tempted to go to this one uh, Tuesday for Sacramento mm -hmm. Sacramento Theater Company Generals. So it's their season auditions. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ooh, I should go to the season auditions and mm -hmm. see if they'll call me back for something. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I was talking with, uh, on another podcast, I had Dude. Um, I have a friend, Wayne Rohde, who's a stage manager. But he's also a singer. And he had asked me uh, some advice on sheet music. Mm -hmm. So basically, he's a baritone just like you. And uh, he... I think it's South Pacific. I think there are two theater companies that are doing South Pacific. And uh, he, I gave him some suggestions for uh, songs. And he said, you know, I've got this sh sheet music for the songs that I'm doing, but it's not quite in my key. And so I basically told him, you know, there are websites where the sheet music is not static. You mm -hmm. know, you can buy, like, books where right. it's, it's basically static and it's in one key. And if, you, if it's not your key, sucks to be you. you got to right. deal with it. Yeah. But there are site there are uh, websites, websites yeah. like uh, um, music. Um, you know, I'll 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 put a plug in uh, the next time we do this. Mm -hmm. But there are websites where you can select the key that you right. want it in, and then it'll print it out. I think they have it in MIDI, mm -hmm. um, right? Which is a musical a musical instrument digital interface. But basically, it's a type of protocol where you can manipulate the notes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and we were talking about this earlier. Mm -hmm. I'm, I I'd be curious to hear other people's comments and thoughts about this. Mm -hmm. But um, I've been struggling with this because uh, one of the songs I started working on last year is "Old Man River," because oh, I've yeah. got a nice deep, the great Paul so I Wilson. can get there. Yeah, yeah. And um, and and it's got an amazing range the yeah. from the top note to the bottom note. Now mm -hmm. I can get to the bottom note. Yeah. But um, and I can get to the top note, but I really have to be warmed up and ready for it. Right. Um. And so I found it in a key, and then I found it in another key, and I should actually find out what the original key is. Mm -hmm. um, 
I feel like it shows off my low range very nicely. So I'm mm -hmm. happy with the song. Mm -hmm. But then I started thinking about what it means when you go to an audition because the song, showing off the song, showing off your voice is one thing they're looking for. Mm -hmm. But another thing they're honestly looking for is types. They're looking for are you a this, are you a that? Yeah. Do you play this kind of character? Do you play that kind of character? Mm -hmm. And if they're looking for that, if I were to go to an audition and do Old Man River with that in mind, mm -hmm. I would be shooting myself in the foot. That's a stevedore. That's a big black man who carries large <laughs> bundles right. onto and off of ships. Right. right. This right. is not ever going to be me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it would be a mistake for me under certain circumstances mm -hmm. to take that song into audition. Yeah. If I'm just showing off my low range, mm -hmm. then of course I bring the song and then it doesn't matter what key I get a key that's comfortable to yeah. me. Yeah. But that's the other side of this is, like, I love hair, for example, and mm -hmm. I've been looking at some of the music in hair. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of high for my range. Yeah. So then I start thinking, well, wait a minute. Am I ever going to be cast in this show? Mm -hmm. I'm probably not. You know, these are 20-year-olds. Yeah. The characters are 20-year-olds. Yeah. So probably not going to get cast in it. And why push – for something that is obviously a 20-year-old character, mm -hmm. why take that in when I got gray all over my head and face? Yeah. <laughs> I had to go through the same thing. I auditioned a couple of years ago for Ray of Light Theater, mm -hmm. and it was my second time doing it. The first time I did it, because I think about what you were talking about beforehand, do you take a song that's safe for you, mm -hmm. that has your, your range and it shows off you, or do you take a song where it's a little bit more risky you have to hit notes that maybe you don't otherwise hit. Right. But you're showing a greater range, and right. they impress them more. Right. Uh, it's almost like the gymnastics where you, it, know, you, could really do a, you could do a safe routine or you could do uh, an incredible routine. Right. But risk screwing up. But And we see that every Olympics. Um, sure. the, the Particularly the girls on the bar right. trying a move that they just didn't really have control yeah. of. Yeah. And if we it goes well, they get away yeah. with it. Yeah. Oh, right. Ice skating, exactly the same. I saw one, a young girl, and she did some amazing stuff. I kept finding myself thinking, ooh, but she could have also added this in, or ooh, she could have added that in. Right. And realizing, no, that's smart to recognize, no, I did enough. <coughs> Don't try to do more. Right, right, exactly. So I think one thing that I do, I carry a book, and it has maybe 20 or 30 songs on there. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I did this with uh, uh, with uh, Civil War Christmas where I had two songs in mind. I knew that they were looking for a Negro spiritual. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I've got a slow one and I've got a fast one. Mm -hmm. And I'll ask the director. Right. It turns out to be not the real director. Right, <laughs> right. the one over there. The casting person, yeah. But I'll just say, listen, you know, I've got a whole slew of stuff. Um, you want something slow or you want something fast? There have been shows where, I mean, there have been auditions where I, I remember Grey Gardens where I did one song and the person's like, hey, you got something else? You know, you got something a little bit, you know, uh, uh, a different style. Right. So I think the the answer, um, and really it's, it, I guess it's twofold. Number one, what is the show? And, uh, you know, do you have an understanding of uh, what they're looking for, or you know, may, maybe there's a role that you you particularly looking for. They may be looking for you to do something else. But right. If you blow their mind, they may say, "Oh, wait a minute, okay." And also, you have to know yourself. Mm -hmm. I remember when I auditioned for Candide, and Candide is probably the most ambitious musical that I uh, was was involved in. And there's a part, uh, there's a role that I played Vanderdender, and there's a high B. Mm -hmm. I mean. Ah! 
Yeah. Wow. And of course, I had to do it not falsetto, but natural. Uh-huh. Get that note. Right. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. But uh, I did a song which, you know, showed my range, and I was very honest with them. Like, well, you know, I'm sort of second tenor. You know, back in the day, I was first tenor. Mm-hmm. And uh, they still gave me the role of, I mean, they still gave me the, the part the uh, to sing for this callback. Mm-hmm. And that particular day, I felt it. I was like, hey, I think I can do this thing. It's almost like <laughs> right. evil Knievel, you know. Right, exactly. And, you know, boom, I just did it. The and wind like, is right. Right, exactly. And, you know, like, okay, you, there it is. You go. And let's say if I just carried one or two pieces of sheet music because at the beginning of the day I'm thinking, eh, let me just play it safe. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden I get to the audition and I'm like, I'm feeling it. Right. Well, too bad. I don't have the music for it. Right. No, I definitely, yeah. I definitely carry extra music with yeah. me because, yeah, I don't know what mood I am. Now I'm getting better at preparing a piece for that specific audition. Mm-hmm. But I always want to have a backup, right. and and that still gives you that same option. You know, maybe you decide when you get there. Mm, I'm going to go with the backup instead of the other piece. The other thing that's different for me with auditions now is, used to be if you said two minutes, mm-hmm. I would have worked to find something. You know, a minute and fifty nine seconds. Right. And now I'll do a piece, and it'll be like a minute thirty, minute thirty nine, and I'm like, good. That's yeah. great. That means there's no danger of me running over. Mm-hmm. The piece is solid. It's whole. Yeah. And so when I hit that moment, <coughs> if somebody is sitting there going, wow, we want more, mm-hmm. that's the feeling I, you want in an audition. You want them sitting there going, we want to see more from him. Yeah. Do you still search for audition pieces or do you have your, your Um, I, I wouldn't say I search. I find myself intrigued. And I have a huge backlog, going back to college, mm-hmm. of pieces that I looked at, played with, maybe never actually used as an audition piece. Mm-hmm. But I, I go back and I flip through those, and then I'll pull something up. Yeah. And uh, so this year I'm actually doing a couple of pieces that I haven't touched in years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this, yeah. this works. You know, it's funny. I remember uh, I was stage managing for um, – there, sh- there was a theater company called Survivor Productions, and they did King Arthur. And there was one monologue, and, of course, it's King Arthur, and he's basically, I cannot kill thee some southern palsy, but beat down this hand, its strength is gone, mm. blah, 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 blah. It's a wonderful piece, and it's a nice short piece. Mm-hmm. And at the time, of course, I'm 22, and I'm like, right. forget about it. I can't do this. I'm not right. old enough. Right. I am now. Right. <laughs> right, and that has happened as well. Like, I'm actually going to look at these Polonius pieces mm-hmm. and see, because what they gave us was scenes. So there's right. little interjections, but it's mostly him talking. Right. And I'm like, let me look through this and see if I can, if I can pull together a minute or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I might try to take it on. I'm curious about the character. Yeah. So, and that's what I always tell students with Shakespeare is, go ahead and study the parts. Yeah. Because right now you might be young enough to play Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Ten years from now you might be, you know. Old enough to play this other character. Right. 20 years from now, you'll be old enough to be the king mm-hmm. or Polonius. Yeah. Uh, do you find there are times where, let's say there's a monologue that you did 20 years ago. Maybe it's your standard. Maybe it's the one that you really, really like. And you're like, I got to put that away. I got to put that away now. Let me I am I am fin- hitting the age where there are certain monologues that I got to leave alone. There's a beautiful um, Lorraine Hansberry piece mm-hmm. um, that I used to do all the time. 
And uh, straight out of school, I used to do it a lot. Mm -hmm. But it's a young character. He's a very young character. Yeah. And the character only makes sense as a young person. I'll, just I that, just you were saying, I was thinking about the Walter Lee Younger um, Well, case. Walter Lee is never I, – I studied it when I did uh, It's the Young, Gifted, and Black. But mm -hmm. beyond that, I didn't, I didn't mess with it much. But, um, no, this is from uh, The Drinking Gourd. Mm. And it's a gorgeous little uh, – the guy – what does he say? Sarah, I can read. I can listen. And he reads a passage from the Bible, mm -hmm. and then he talks about running away. Mm. Um, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous piece. Mm -hmm. So now I give it to my students because it's a gorgeous piece, and I can't do it. Um, there was another one. I just forgot what it was. Another piece where I just feel like I aged out on it. Yeah. Oh, um, Simon Sidney Brewstein Windows, similar. Oh, yeah. uh, it's another Lorraine Hansberry. Yeah. That black monologue mm -hmm. is gorgeous. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous monologue. I got into Cal Arts with that monologue. I've gotten plenty of parts with that monologue. Mm -hmm. um, again, he's a young man. He's a young man who's getting his heart broken, maybe for the first time. Mm -hmm. That's a totally different person than who I am now. On the other hand, I can pick up these characters that I. You know, like mm -hmm. Lonius or whoever, mm -hmm. um, who I've read my whole life. Oh, geez, there's one. I have been talking about things I think I should not be talking about because, you know, I don't want to jinx stuff. But um, I got – I'm supposed to get called back for um, Equus. Oh, wow. And I would never have considered playing Dysart mm -hmm. because he's a Brit, mm -hmm. because he's white. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, that was a play that I grew up with wanting to be the kid. That mm -hmm. role is so incredible. But also, he's a Brit. I couldn't imagine anybody casting me. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, when I saw that this was in this season, upcoming season, for I was doing the generals for this company. Mm -hmm. And I saw that, and they wrote next to each uh, show. They said, Mark, which shows you're interested in, and tell us if there's a part. Mm -hmm. And the I marked a bunch of the shows like, I don't care. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, right. just hire me. Right. But, um, but that one I wrote, Dysart. Mm -hmm. And when I came in for my audition, the guy's like, we're calling you back for Dysart. Wow. We will be calling you back for Dysart. Now, see, that is awesome. I mean, that is th that's basically just saying, I don't care what your guys' visions are, but I have a vision in my and, – and, you know, all actors right. should do this. I, I think – I want to encourage us more and more right now. And I, I d often have that thought, all actors should do this. Everybody should do this. Theater mm -hmm. companies should do. Mm -hmm. I've tried to temper that and, and adjust it a little bit to – Let's get people to do it, mm -hmm. and then that little group of us right. hopefully will work together and get to get picked up. I mean, mm -hmm. if uh, so, the guy who auditioned for Laertes, the son of Polonius, mm -hmm. um, we just did um, Death of a Salesman together oh, at the beginning awesome. of the year, mm -hmm. and he played Willie's son. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so now you play my son. That would make me so happy. <laughs> yeah, and and it's. I'm like, yeah, to make those connections because it's to your benefit. One of the things, and we're, we're getting late, so maybe we can pick this up for another time, mm -hmm. but um, um, the idea of – where am I trying to go with this? Um, that if we start kind of choosing mm – -hmm. What we want to do, that, to find that passion. Right. Um, your career, that was where I was trying to go with this. Your career is not going to be, I got out of college. I'm the hot new young actor, and all they have to do is show them the, who I am, and they're going to cast me. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, they might. They'll cast you in something. And great. And then once people see me, the big houses will pick me up. Yeah, that might happen, but it, 
more than likely isn't going to happen. And then an agent will want me, and I'll go to Hollywood, and I'll become famous, and I'll go to New York. No, you will move to New York because you've decided to move to New York, and nobody will care. But when you start making the rounds and you are talented and you are doing your hard work, maybe somebody will notice and maybe you'll end up getting a Tony Award in two or three years. Maybe that will happen. But it won't be because anybody worked with you and went, oh, you're ready now. Here's the secret door. Take the next step up. So where it's going to happen is us kind of looking at each other, pushing each other and saying, well, what about that? Mm -hmm. You know? I'm ready to go to New York. Reg, are you ready to go to New York? No. You know, it would be the other way around because Mike would be like, well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm married. I got a family. I don't know. Right. You're right. like, well, but I'm single, mm-hmm. and I think it's my time. It's my shot. Yeah. And I want to see more of that kind of energy because I love every theater company that is respectful enough of its talent and mm-hmm. particularly its actors mm-hmm. to give them that, if not a nudge up, yeah. At least a polite um, and respectful acknowledgement when that actor reaches and yeah. goes for that next thing mm-hmm. and doesn't sit here just kind of going, damn, we lost another good one. Because that's their attitude. I'm sorry. I've seen it for a long oh, time. Yeah. Their attitude is your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, we are suddenly on the plantation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they are the overseers. They don't yeah. even own us, but they want to act like they're in charge of us. Yeah. And, you know. The most positive way I can see it in terms of looking at theater companies Mm -hmm. is it's a collaborative process. They are working hard to make great theater. Sometimes they are myopic Mm -hmm. in their search to do that, and they don't see us. Mm -hmm. So we have to get in their face and politely show them who we are and remind them of what we can do. Mm -hmm. And then they go, wow, it's so great that you came by. And don't laugh at them or get mad. Just (laughs) – Right. I'm sincerely happy I came by, too. Wow. Yay, we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Where's my contract? <laughs> right. Yeah, and, of course, I, I know we're running low, but um, when you walk – I mean, you know, when you're young and you're just coming out of school, you're hungry, and you should be hungry, and you want to have as many experiences as possible and get on stage as much as you possibly can. But realize you have a trajectory. You know, you're going up. There are a lot of theater companies that want to keep you – Keep you because they're loving you and they appreciate you. And finding somebody as good as you, right, will be work, right. And they've got you, so if they keep you, they don't have to do that work. And a lot of times they're thinking about themselves, they think about the company themselves. Like, oh, we finally have a good one, Mm -hmm. let's hold on to them. And they become possessive. And Mm -hmm. and I've seen it happen several times before. And all of a sudden, you want to move on, and you know, they get bitter beer face because. And I've seen, yeah, I've seen all of that, and mm-hmm. I really love those companies that are able to respectfully say to that actor, you know, wow, mm-hmm. we're so happy to see you, and we were so happy that we got to work with you. Right. And we're so happy to see where your career is going now. That's exactly right. Don't wait till I get a Tony Award before you say that to me. Yeah. You know, you should be saying it to me now. If I'm not being disrespectful, if I didn't quit your show or ignore you, mm-hmm. if I ignored you because I'm busy. Right. And acknowledge that I'm busy. That's right. Um, Support the actor even if they're not working for you. Right. Well, if you appreciated that talent on your stage, mm-hmm. then appreciate it on those other places. Right. And the more you do that, mm-hmm. I, that's, I'm still looking for that actor who comes back to town and raves about the theater companies that they worked with here. Yeah. Because I don't see much of it. I hear polite talk about especially the Berkeley reps and the Cal Shakes and the Mm -hmm. ACTs. Mm -hmm. Polite talk about happy to have been on that stage. That was an important part of my career. Mm -hmm. 
But when you get them talking about where their passion is, where the juice is, where their lip is, mm-hmm. I know an actor who was on ACT stage, but I will bet you he will say that when he got to play the Scottish King in a summer festival mm-hmm. out in a little little company, mm-hmm. that that was a huge step for him. ACT was an important step, but artistically, mm-hmm. that other one, that performance was the one where he got to choose some scenery and really give it his all and stretch himself. Awesome. And so, you know, I think we have to kind of remind each other Mm -hmm. that we can take that step up, that we're worth it, Mm -hmm. that we're doing really well, Mm -hmm. and that we shouldn't wait for them to recognize us. Because even if they give us their best recognition, it's not necessarily going to move us towards that next thing. Right. Yeah, seize. I mean, you know, seize the. Um, what is that wonderful Shakespearean? Um, seize well, the day, uh, seize the moment. Well, I mean, uh, I think it's it's part of the Hamlet's speak the speech. Um, uh-huh. Go then get you ready. But basically, <laughs> s- seize the day. You know, you just gotta just go do it yourself. Don't you don't wait for a theater company or someone to discover you. You know, just. You know, make yourself discoverable. You know, just go out there. Well, and uh, and I will talk more as we, mm-hmm. you know, move forward. As I move closer and closer to this Eugene O'Neill thing, I'm already making notes about stuff I'm going to talk about. One of the things I want to do is intros. I want to look up. Do you know where Meryl Streep went no. for her training? Was it Yale, Juilliard, NYU, someplace like that? I gotta, I gotta uh, look that I'm up. gonna I'm gonna look it up um, because I've heard, and I think I actually saw something from it. That one of her final performances in school, she played an old woman. Oh, is that right? And it was a cast with somebody like, I don't even know who, Kevin Klein, people like that. Mm -hmm. Um, This incredible cast, which now we all, these are household names. Mm -hmm. But back then, you know, they were just kids coming out of school. And what I want to do is for my kids doing the Eugene O'Neill thing, I want to get that story and see if I can get the facts straight on it. And then I want to... um, Point to everybody in the room. She went to Yale School of Drama. Yale School. Okay, yeah, I'm going to look that up because um, look up that story because mm-hmm. um, then I want to say, so you guys come from this school. You guys come from this school. This one comes from that school. We've got, it looks like we've got maybe 10 schools, about 10 schools represented in a program this summer. Mm. And I want to be able to say, and so you don't, you may not know each other, but what, I hope you will do, and what we kind of need you to do in order for this show to be everything it can be is to come at each other on stage respectfully, give everything you can, and suck up everything you can from your scene partner and really give this and make this work. Because if for no other reason, you don't know who this person is, mm-hmm. and this person may be the next Meryl Streep. That's exactly right. And how grateful will you be in life if you took advantage of the opportunity to work with a young Meryl Streep. That, that is awesome. That is absolutely right. You know, yeah. you know and, and it'll only make you look good. It will only make you look better. So I want to do stuff like that to encourage them to get out of this mindset of it's my career. It's I'm not worried about your career. I'm worried about my career. Right, right. You know, I can't take care of your career, mm-hmm. but when our careers intersect, which they do often, yep. then take advantage of that and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, enjoy it on a personal level, enjoy it on an artistic level, enjoy mm-hmm. it on a social level, mm-hmm. and get the most you can out of it because this is the life we have. We don't have another life. Yep. And so if you can't enjoy every bit of this mm-hmm. <laughs> as much as possible, you're missing out. 
Yeah. And you don't you don't want to be a Heath Ledger. You don't want to be a what's his name? Um, Philip. Yeah. Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be one of these people who burns out because they're focused on their craft, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you believe that story of their demises. Um, that their focus on their craft was so intense that they were just doing everything they could to allow themselves to completely focus, yeah. which meant bringing you know stimulants into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, when did they stop? When did they just enjoy? When did they stop and go, wow, last year I was the best thing in America. Ooh, relax. Yeah. Do like DiCaprio did. After Titanic, what did he take, like four or five years? Yeah, that's right. Get the hell out. Yeah. Go and enjoy and trust mm-hmm. that whatever talent you have now, yeah. when you come back to it, mm-hmm. you will knock the rust off of that. Some stuff might be past its, you know, its mm-hmm. expiration date. Yeah. But you'll be surprised how much of it not only did you retain, but like a fine wine, mm-hmm. some of it has just aged yeah. beautifully. And sometimes your acting will grow because you've got you've stepped off the stage. And you've had some life experiences. Yeah, you've added some new things to that toolkit. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Do you have any shout-outs? No, not this one. Have a, um, I mean, you know, my, mm-hmm. mine will be Father's Day. Um, you know, my I got two dads, so I got to give that my shout-outs to them. I always give a shout-out to my brother. Um, I have one brother um, who is dead and mm-hmm. one brother who was a single dad for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I did not know how much love that man had in him. Until I saw him raising his son, and then I was like, wow. Wow. That is nice. Yeah. And I want to give a shout-out to my dad. You know, my dad, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of him right now with his headphones on back in the, uh, the <laughs> 80s uh, when he uh, was in and out of the recording studio. Um, but, you know, uh, Father's Day, I'll be definitely giving a call to my dad to wish him a happy Father's Day. And um, love you so much, Dad, and, you know, you mean uh, the world to me. I also want to give a shout-out to Paul Myers. Paul Myers, I worked with him during Bat Boy and also Debbie Does Dallas. I was a stage manager, and he was an assistant stage manager. And I believe his birthday is today. So, Paul, happy birthday. Mm. Also, um, I want to um, talk about uh, there's a friend of mine, Crystal Piamonte Jean, is in an infinite ache at Bendelstiff Studios. Uh, the company is called The Tribe Productions. If you go on their website, thetribeproductions.org, they have eight shows, and they are opening on the 19th, which is on Monday. There are only eight shows going on, so they have a preview on Monday, um, June 19th at 8 p.m., the next day, Tuesday, at 8 p.m., uh, the 20th, and then they have a series of double-doubles, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, uh, the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, First show is at 7, and then the second show is at 9. Um, so check it out. Um, I've talked wonders that about Dennis Studios. Yeah, it, it is very ambitious. I don't know how I would do it. But if it's only, you know, it sounds like, you know, they're closing. They're really only doing one week. Um, but I hear great things about In Infinite Ache. It's a wonderful love story. And uh, Crystal is a fantastic actress. I've acted with her many, many times on Dennis Studios. So. Check out An Infinite Ache at Bendelstiff Studios. The company, again, is called The Tri Productions. Uh, go on their website, thetriproductions.org, to pick up your tickets and support movie theater. Yay. That, that is the end. <laughs> <laughs> when are we going to find a... Uh, we got to get a better side off. Exactly. We are hot.